0: what's up everybody this is the one more jump podcast by rise pole vault um what a cool podcast we got today with a legend like a real real for real legend uh in women's sports period um stacy dragila was on the podcast today and i got to sit sit down and have a conversation with her it was really, really kind of surreal because she has done so much for the sport of women's pole vaulting. And I received a really good education through the whole conversation too, because I knew a little bit about the, um, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, women's pole vaulting hasn't been around forever. It's only been around for not too long, what, 20, 20, 25 years, something like that. Um, and she was the first female to really just kind of just break through and just break all these barriers down. And it was so cool to talk to her about that. She's an Olympic gold medalist. Uh, she pole vaulted, she held the world record, um, at 15 feet, 10 inches, I believe. And she was just so much fun to talk to. And so down to earth. And so, uh, so nice, just seems like a really, really nice person. Um, extremely knowledgeable, had a lot of really good knowledge, uh, knowledge drops in this podcast, uh, and just some funny laughs and things like that. Um, you will talk, you will hear us talk about this whole ultra marathon thing that me and my brother Josh did, um, and, uh, this was, this podcast was recorded before that ultra marathon. So it might be nice and co- kind of cool to know that we ended up finishing the, uh, the hundred mile ultra marathon, which was, uh, really, really crazy, but that's for a whole separate podcast, which I definitely would like to do. Um, cause we learned a lot through it, but anyway, um, yeah, hope you enjoy this podcast with the legend, the one and only Stacey Dragila. So it's, it's you're, no you're problem. You're running the ultra marathon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100 crazy? miler. So my first one, first hundred.
1: Um, a couple you, longer ones. Have you thought about doing the Western States out in no, California? But that, that is one?
0: what uh, we... Remember, we connected on that? That's uh, right. You were there. Yeah. That's
1: right. That's yeah. right. You were there. Were you um, interviewing or you were helping a buddy finish, right?
0: Yeah. So I did That's like right. a 30-mile 30, a 30 stretch. I forget what stretch. I went from... Oh, man, I, I won't remember what like uh,
1: cool or, um, I, I
0: got out at the river crossing, the Rocky okay. Chuck River crossing. Um, okay. I got out there. Um, but then, you know, we crewed him the whole entire way. And it just it it really actually is a good, you know, and we're, we're recording right now, too. So uh, okay. I so we're this is actually kind of how I wanted to start because filling it, it in. It was a uh, crazy time because we we did that we did that ultra my my old high school coach uh I crewed him and we've been doing this for like 5 years and uh maybe maybe 7 years and um polar opposite of pole vaulting training
1: Totally. I was um, just say, how did we end up doing this? I don't know. <laughs> uh, this
0: is my last this is it for me after this one done. But you were talking about the western states and I you were like have you ever thought about doing that? Absolutely not. Uh, it's miserable. It's
1: it is. Hard. I've heard it's really hard.
0: I did 30 mile, a 30 mile section of it. It was miserable. It was.
1: It just so much rock and like unsureness of your footing and.
0: Kind of. It's uh, to for me, to be honest with you. I mean, obviously it's the sleep deprivation because I did the part from like 11 p.m. until like four or 5 a.m. And it's yeah. just miserable. But yeah. the dust and the heat. Ugh. It was so hot. It was like 109 degrees. Yeah. yeah. And I, we were like, oh, once the sun goes down, it's going to be fine. And then yeah. once you dive into those canyons uh, at nighttime, it still is freaking hot
1: hot
0: and i was just yeah, like
1: about those things and yeah. the dust and everything
0: that it was so dusty and yeah. and like you're just we I mean, already ast-
1: trying to breathe yeah right
0: like- <laughs> it was it was crazy but actually that was really crazy uh because kind of how i wanted to start was how wild it was we we're crewing all day all night helping my friend you know get from uh Olympic Valley to Auburn, you know, California. Yeah. And, uh, and then we show up on the track and I was like, I had been yeah. texting you a little bit like, Hey, right. do you want to come on the that, podcast? Yeah. And I look up Stacey Dragila track. I'm like, <laughs> what, what the heck? So I, I had to text like this you. Meant
1: to happen, Jesus,
0: right? so, <laughs> I had, I thanks. had to text you and, and yeah, be like, for... this is crazy.
1: Yeah. Thanks for bearing with me. It's been kind of a crazy summer and everything. And then I take August off and I throw my phone over my shoulder and I'm like, I just need to unplug and be with my family. So you have to, um, yeah, of course. Yeah. So, so when you guys crew, when you say you crew, I mean, are you, you're allowed to be on the trail with them, but what if you're obstructing someone else that, I mean, I don't even know if you guys are just so stretched out, like if you're in somebody else's way for them to pass. I mean, uh, how did you decide that?
0: Yeah. There's two different things that you do during an ultra marathon. Well, there's three jobs. Basically there's the runner and then you have the the crew. Um, and then you have a pacer and a lot of times the crew, uh, you know, a member of the crew is, is also a pacer. So the crew, they go to different aid stations, um, throughout the race and they, they have, you know, extra shoes or extra socks or uh, water bandages. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. Just basically you're babying the person who's running the entire time to try to make it help them, you know? Yeah. And then, and then the Pacers job. So after Forest Hill, um, yep. after Forest Hill checkpoint at the Western States, 100, 100, uh, you can add a pacer and you can have them run with you. Okay. Um, and that was what I did. And that's where I got in Forest Hill, Forest Hill, Hill. Okay. to I Rocky say, Chuck. To put you in River yeah. Crossing.
1: Okay. yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. So it was, okay. it was crazy. And, uh, and so, yeah, so we're, I'm, I'm getting ready to do one on Saturday and this will be my first hundred and, in my last hundred and uh oh my gosh. after is I recover. Just...
1: Yeah, yeah, like what what like when you're done running something like that, I mean I'm it's just full body pain, but I mean it's gotta cave yeah. re- it on your joints and stuff and just
0: Yeah. Well the thing is is if you if you do them consistently, like over time, I think that it, it, it's like what I'm doing is not fitness. It's not yeah. fitness. It is no. it is it's it's the opposite of fitness. It's uh, really bad for your body, um, yeah. in my opinion. And if you do that consistently, if you get addicted to it, then I think it could be a really bad thing. Right. But, um, you know, you do it one time and it's kind of like, you know, check and then, the yeah, you check it off the list and then, <laughs> then go on about your life because I'm, it's, it's hard though. Cause the training <laughs> and takes a lot of time away from your family and right. But it just i mean your body is is crazy and and i'm knocking on wood this whole entire time because i still haven't done this but uh it's it's just like your your body gets to a certain pain threshold and then it doesn't get like that much worse it just it's
1: mental game of it. how
0: long can you deal with that amount and yeah. we're gonna try to finish in 28 and a half hours so it'll so be
1: the race that you're running, where's this one located?
0: Uh, Indiana. So Indiana. it's, it's called the Indiana. it's yeah. I mean, it's, it's fairly, I mean, compared to Western or like any of those, uh, races out West where you're yeah. at, it's just, you know, flat as a pancake compared to what yeah, you guys do. To that. Cause we do, we do, I do a lot of stuff out in Colorado <laughs> with my family and, uh, you know, climbing up, stuff and going on long runs and, and long packs and stuff like that. And, uh, that's really, really hard because you're, you're dealing with altitude and, and things like that. And, uh, right. and this, this is going to be extremely hard too, but it's a different type of heart. It's like hard because you really want to go to sleep. Yeah. Um, you're, you're just, you just don't feel good and yeah. it's just a bad situation. And oh. once I'm done with it, I'm hanging up the old trail yeah. running shoes and, uh, going to start, your
1: next, what's your next adventure?
0: I'm going to start jumping like again. Eric, I think or
1: start like what's he's parasailing. I, I listened to some <laughs> right. of the podcasts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know those guys were crazy. They used to talk about it all the time. And right. I, didn't, I didn't realize Derek was so addicted to it. I knew Ty was really into it and then he got Derek into it. And so it was fun. Listening. Sounds
0: cool. Yeah. yeah Sounds I, cool. To be honest with you, uh, I whenever I train for long distance, which I've, been, which I've been doing for like seven years now, I become a very, it's the only term I can think of, skinny fat. Um, and uh, all I am is skinny fat and yeah. I'm tired all the time yeah. and I'm hungry all the time. <laughs> and those are three things that, as you age, you want to try to avoid those three things.
1: Right, right. Um.
0: So, so what I'm trying to do is, I'm just like, you know, what? When's the best I've ever felt in my entire life? Whenever I was strong, fast, powerful, training to pole vault, and uh, that type of training is what I want to get back into. I'm, I'm done with this uh, long, long distance. Yeah, stuff. just
1: yeah, grinding it out, wearing your body out, but. Yeah. I'm reading a book right now it's called the comfort crisis Have you
0: yes yes okay so I just I just finished that book a couple months ago
1: oh did you I was gonna say yeah. it sounds something kind of like you know what you're doing just get this extreme thing put yourself out there for a while get out of mm-hmm. your real great comfort zone of seven degree weather and you yes. get food readily available and no one's ready to just get out there and grind through something physically and mentally and mm-hmm. um my husband get- read it in and- the bunch of his fire guys read it. And it's, 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 yeah, it makes you think for sure. Yeah. Did um, you get to the part about the Masogi? Yeah. Yeah, Right. (laughs) (laughs) And you're not eating today or tomorrow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Did you get to the part about the Masogi, uh, where he was talking about that?
1: I'm right there. Yeah, I'm okay. kind of in the middle of the book right now. So, yeah,
0: so he. Um, so basically, it's where you exactly like you were saying, where you pick something, but it doesn't count as a masogi unless. It is something that you have only a 50% chance of, chance of completing.
1: Completing, right? And
0: that's where I'm at with this hundred. Is there's I and I'm putting it out there, I guess, to to the to the masses, I think there's a 50% chance of me completing this. And I'm really going to give it my best effort. And if I do if I do, you know, finish it, then I have done something that I legitimately did not know if I could do it.
1: You yeah, know, I mean, like, there's, still, there's so many variables, right? I mean, right. you just don't know. And then it's, you know, you're relying on your body and your mental state and there, there's so many components of it. I Absolutely. mean, football, we could train for that, you know, in short batches, but something like this, that there's so many, I think so many things that are unknown and yeah, you could probably walk the whole thing, but right. You have to be done in a certain time frame too. So yeah. There and There will
0: be walking. For- there will be a, a yeah, large amount be walking, of walking, right?
1: Yeah, after puking and <laughs> yeah, right? pooping yourself and whatever else. You do. I, hope <laughs> I no.
0: really hope that's not the case. <laughs> that would be disappointing. Good luck. My, Good luck. Out my, there. my daughters are going to be there. I really don't want them to see something <laughs> like that.
1: <laughs> Make sure you, yeah, lots of wipes, and <laughs> we can we can cut that part out. <laughs> no hey no that's real
0: life that's real life i've seen a lot of messed up things at these races so
1: well i i got to go to a couple footlocker um high school uh cross-country championships and they wanted me to commentate at the end as these kids were coming through the shoot oh my gosh i mean i've never been at a high level race like that before and then i got a microphone and these kids are coming in snot you know, just ready to throw up, mm. you know, someone peed their pants because you yep. can see it. And then I'm supposed to be like, Hey, how'd that feel? Like, it's the last Feels thing you want a microphone <laughs> shoved in your face. And I would, you know, not want it. So I'm like, right. okay, go clean yourself up and then we'll get back to it. But
0: yeah, yeah, I can only
1: imagine. I mean, if you're in the moment and you're trying to finish this amazing feat, you just keep grinding it out. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. I think, I don't know. It's just, right. It's- yeah,
0: I I I've done yeah. I did a, a 67 miler. That was like my longest one before this. And I just remember I got to the to the end and uh you know, I got to the end and everybody's all excited. And, and I was like, I don't want to see any of you right now. I don't want to do, I don't want to high five. I don't want to do anything. And I just remember, and, you know, close your ears to all of the uh, club athletes out there. One of my friends gave me a Coors Light and I was like, uh, and I was just like, I felt obligated. And so I was just like, okay, yeah, whatever. So I took like a little sip of it and then <laughs> just, just started puking everywhere. I was like, guys, yeah,
1: not, the night's over.
0: It's there. It's done. You know, if you guys yeah. want to stick around, that's fine. But I'm gonna like lay on the ground right here and not wake up for a long time.
1: Oh my gosh, so, that is just. Yeah. Oh, that's that's tough, but it'll be I'm interesting. Be thinking of you, and that's that's a huge <laughs> that's a huge step. Um, yeah, yeah. I thought, okay, what can I do? I'm getting older. I feel like I go through this midlife crisis. I just mm. bought a mountain bike, and I don't want to kill that's myself fun. or anything. But I think that's a fun new chapter but reading this crisis book, I'm like, Hey, what can I do? Oh my gosh. You know, do something that's well, you
0: live road in road. an incredible place for that though.
1: Yeah. So I'm excited. We went demoed some bikes last week and I haven't even been on these trails here in Boise. And then I'm going up to McCall, which is two hours from here this weekend to a mountain town and my girlfriend's turning 40. And so I'm really happy. I just got my bike. I got to go pick it up today at the shop. He's um, putting some new pedals on it and making sure cool. it's my size and all that fun stuff. So I literally just bought it, but we've been looking for a month and yeah. we're going to go to the the ski resort and head up on the chair and we're going to shred the gnar on the way down. Mm,
0: that's <laughs> what I'm talking about. No, I'm yeah. going to
1: have my breaks and, you know, I don't know, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be something different that I haven't done in a long time. And even when I was competing, I, you know, I lived in Southeast Idaho and, one of the orthopedics that would, you know, check on me from time to time, or if I had an aching pain, I'd go in and see him. He's like, "Just do me a favor, Stacy. Don't ride mountain bikes." I, you know, who, I get so many mountain bike riders in here, you know, broken collarbone, wrist, this, that. Just if you're going to be training for the pole vault right now, just don't go on single track trails and be crazy. Right. So I had a mountain bike at the time, but I, I never really did anything crazy, and I think. Hopefully this will be my new crazy. I can't run a ton anymore because my knee—I tore my ACL meniscus uh, about six oh, years geez. ago, and it's just—it's like this, it's like some. Well, but don't
0: you don't you hike and stuff? Because I follow you on Instagram. Don't you uh, go and and do a little backpacking and hiking? And yeah, stuff so
1: we would like to get into overnight backpacking, but, but with the girls being a little bit young and. Um, we haven't done that yet, but we've gone out on 10 milers. You know, my husband's 265 pounds discus throw. I'm like, you want to do this, but it's fun. He, he enjoys doing that. And um, so we just go out, there's the sawtooth mountain range here is beautiful. And, you know, we, we did a lot this, this summer. So we just went up there for 10 days without the girls actually and went in a little bit further than we would typically do with the girls. And then I said, okay, this year we really need to start, um, buying some of that overnight stuff and get in there. There's a couple cool mountain lakes that, you know, it's a chain of them. You can do like a 26 mile loop. Yeah, I'll be walking, not running, but
0: <laughs> right. No, I actually,
1: <laughs>
0: I planned a, uh, a backpacking trip. We, we were like tossing the coin up because that's the, that's like the reason I got into ultra running was because I wanted mm-hmm. to get deeper into the mountains and feel like I could get out like, uh, yeah. Easily and to be in good enough condition to where it was like, okay, I'm 30, 40 miles deep, and I can, if I needed to, I could get out and, and I wouldn't, you know, die or something. And so that was my original thing. And plus, I I had just had my first uh, daughter, and I was like, okay, so my backpacking trips are going to probably be put a little bit halt you know so no. i was like now i've got two nights so now i've got to just i got to cram like 50 miles into like two nights so that was the original training but i actually had wow. i had a really cool trip set up to uh out of the um fourth of july trailhead um and you go it's like uh through sun valley
1: Oh yeah. We've like been up. on it. Yeah. So we did that okay. last summer. I was like, are you talking about Idaho? Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, You're people think there. I'm crazy whenever I say I want to really, really want to go to Idaho and they're like, why would you want to go to Idaho? I'm like, have you Don't ever
1: tell people it really? Ugly. <laughs> <I> know, <right>?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you guys better be careful because it is, it's looks so cool. I know. I know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I know. yeah. yeah. No, that's yeah. fine. You'll have to come out. We're um, hopefully we're building the cabin this summer up in McCall. Oh wow! So we could be up there even more. And, um, you know, the girls like to ski and I don't know, just enjoy, I just enjoy being outside and Mm. and doing recreational stuff. We're not big gamer kids. I, you know, I don't let my kids have the iPad that much. I mean, they steal my phone once in a while. And, but I just, I'd rather, you know, I grew up kind of that way too. We didn't have a lot. So we were outside playing and discovering things outside. So nature really speaks to me. And, Mm. um, I just love being out and about and, Finding That's new places. Awesome. So so yeah, anytime you guys want to come out, come out. I got, I got some secret holes for you.
0: That's <laughs> what I'm talking about. Yeah. I've always, that's always been on my, uh, to-do list. We actually ended up doing a trip, uh, to the wind river range, uh, in Wyoming instead okay. of, of that trip. Uh, cause the sun Valley flights were like skyrocketed, like at the yes. last second when we were yeah. about to buy them and we were like, oh man, that's
1: yeah, nice. dang it. Yeah.
0: But anyway,
1: um, well, instead of doing that fly into Boise, it's not that far. It's like two Is and, it not? Long, and it's beautiful the road to, to go. So, yeah, I would look into flying into Boise next time if you have to decide. It's not that far.
0: Okay. And then cool. there's
1: really great places along the way as well that we can tell you about, but I won't dis- I won't disclose it now.
0: Yeah, let's not talk about Idaho anymore because no, no then now. a bunch of people are going to move there. <laughs> um anyway, but uh yeah, so this is a podcast that I have wanted to do for a long time um because anybody like at least for me, whenever I think about women's pole vaulting, like you're immediately like the person that comes into a lot of people's heads, whenever you think about women's pole vaulting and and there've, you know, no offense, there's been higher pole vaulters, higher women who are people who have vaulted higher than you, but the impact that you've had on the sport with it being so young and you having so much success at whenever it was at its infant stages, um, is just really cool. And, and, the impact that you've had on the sport, uh, has been really amazing. So the, where I kind of want to start with the pole vaulting side of things is I'll, like the girls that I work with at my gym, they're probably like, well, pole vaulting, you know, as women's pole vaulting has been around for a long time, you know, like, right. and, and all these things. And it's like, well, no, that's, it hasn't, <laughs> you know, like yeah. you vaulted at the, I think it was like 96 Olympic trials, but they didn't even have women's pole vaulting at the Olympics. Is that right?
1: Nope. It was an exhibition at the time. It was, um, to see if there was, they told us to see if this event was going to really take, take, take shape, um, to see if there was people that were really interested in watching it. It was kind of just this trial process and, you know, we were jumping so well consistently. So they let us go into Olympic trials is what I was told, but we, we couldn't go and compete at the Olympics, and then even for Sydney, the next quad, they said, "Well, we'll probably implement it into Sydney, but it will be as an exhibition. Again, it won't be a medal event." We're like, "What are you talking about? Oh, like, heck? we're training, we're competing, we're here, we're here right now, we're breaking records. Why wouldn't we get a medal?" And I have to thank Emma George. She was the the world record holder before me, and she had it for you know a few years and was kind of the darling of the sport. She had a beautiful jump. Um, She was from Australia and up until 99, she had the world record and right in 99, they were going to decide if the women's pole vault was going to be contested. And I remember either I was at the world's in Seville or right before maybe in a training camp, they announced that the women's pole vault was going to be a medal event. And we were, we were so excited. We were shocked because we kept hearing that it was going to be this exhibition and my coach just kept saying "Stacy, it's going to be okay you know the the amazing thing is is that by you participating all these other women on the early stages participating we've created that many more girls competing so at the beginning when he threw a pole in my hand and asked me to try it it was all about creating interest for the sport it wasn't like you're going to be an Olympian you're going to try to win a gold medal. It wasn't about that. It was just trying to create interest for women because he knew that women could do it. And we've been, we had been told no for so long. And you look back in the history women had tried to pole vault prior to that, but there were so many male counterparts in our sport that thought that it would be harmful for our body. You know, I've, I've, I've read That's pieces, so
0: crazy.
1: <laughs> I read pieces where that it would, you know, Our uterus would fall out of our body. You know, Joan Joan Bonet in the 84 Olympics before that, they said, oh, I don't know if women can run this far and sustain this kind of um, stress on the body. It will it will ruin you as a female. And these women are like, what are you talking about? We do this all the time. And then luckily my coach. Just one second. So
0: so that that legitimately was that was like the reason.
1: Oh yeah. That you could find tons of articles about that. It's yes. It wasn't because we didn't have enough depth in our event. It was because we were going to hurt our reproductive system and we're going to have to leave the women over here and let the guys do this. Oh, I was like, gosh. what? So it was, it was crazy thinking for sure. Um, So, but then, you know, when my coach finally came down, I, he was, he was up in his office, finishing some paperwork or on the computer loading something. And he was searching around and actually saw um, Chinese and Russians had a competition and there was women involved in a, a pole vault competition. And he was just like, it's time. So he ran down to a fall practice. And it was one of those days where I was a training as a heptathlete. And it was one of those days I was going to be out there for three hours plus. We had to basically touch almost every event, you know, start working on the development of, of our training. And then, you know, this he loved 300. So we would always do 300s on Mondays. So it was going to be these, this really long workout. And he came trotting across the field with the a, a guys, you know, 15 foot pole and said, ladies I want you to try to pull vault today. And I look at him and I'm looking at the, the workout on the board. And I look over my shoulder. I'm like, who are you talking to? <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was me and like two or three other, my teammates were looking at the workout, you know, trying to write it down on our hands. So we knew what we were doing, how many reps we were doing. And he's like, I want you guys to try the pole vault. We're like, women don't pole vault? Dave, what are you talking about? <laughs> and um, he goes, no, I just came from my office. I saw some results. It's time that women start pole vaulting. Let me let me show you some lead up drills. So we just started out with some grass vaults, just learning how to hold the pole. And because it was a 15 foot pole and I never held something like that, of course it felt super awkward. And then we tried to do grass vaults and try to move a 15 foot pole you know, and not really even know how to hold a pull. We were hitting each other and it was, it was kind of a hot mess out there on the field with the three of us. And, and we look at each other, like, why are we doing this? We have all this other stuff to do. And he basically said, I'll cut that workout in half. If you give me half, you know, half of your time here. So we kind of thought, okay, deal. Do we get those 300s cut off our right, workout?
0: Right. So <laughs> what Need to get
1: out of the 300 workout
0: 300 but suck. Yeah. Sucked.
1: Yeah. So, um, so I just remember doing that one day and then two, two weeks would pass by and then he'd pull the poles out again. He's like, Hey, let's, let's pick up these poles. Let's learn how to carry these poles again. And because it'd been two, two weeks, I totally forgot how to hold the pole. And so just learn how to hold the pole again, go through some walking plants, try to do some grass faults. Then we ended up in the sand trying to swing through in the sand pit and you know, weeks would go by and it'd be sporadic training. And then, um, and then I remember we went, um, indoors for, for indoor training. Cause we had an indoor facility and we had an indoor season. We were getting ready for the indoor season and it'd been a while since we touched a pole and he came to us again. He said, ladies, I want you to compete in the pole vault this weekend. And I was like, what? Like we have never been over a, a bungee. I mean, I didn't even know what they called him at the time, but I just remember right. going, what are, what are we doing, Dave? Like, how is this going to go down? And he goes, well, I'm going to have you guys start before the rest of the meet starts. So as he kind of foresaw, for like, as the teams are trickling in, maybe some of those girls would be like, what are those girls doing over there? That looks like fun. And that was, right. his venue. so we were, yes, we were out on the runway trying to figure out where to run from, how high to hold. I mean, he didn't give us a ton of direction. I, I don't remember having a ton of direction. We're over there. He's coaching everything else. And maybe a couple of the guys were over there trying to help us not look so, so bad. And um, and we were terrified of the bar because we had never jumped over right. a bar So all these young kids you know that are terrified jumping over the bar. I feel your pain. I had no idea what <laughs> I was doing. felt like it was on fire and, or well, you know, when I was in uh, junior college, we always had we had those metal triangular
0: uh, mm. like aluminum or something. Those,
1: but still it's like you land on that and you never forget that feeling oh, yeah. and you don't want to land on it.
0: Hey, and just but, to be, just for everybody, just to be clear, I don't know if you had mentioned this was, this is not high school. This is college. Yeah. Right? I
1: was, yeah. I was 23, um, ended up at Idaho state as a heptathlete and a 400 meter or hurdler, hurdler. And then one day my coach came out and asked his heptathletes to try the pole vault because pole vault did not exist. This was 92 for me. It did, okay. did not exist in the United States. Um, so, so we're in the middle of this competition. Teams were trickling in BYU, Utah, Weber state, kind of all that. Um, our conference, kind of a lot of our conference would come to these meets. Bozeman was there sometimes university of Montana would come down. Um, and I remember a girl from Utah and BYU coming over. Cause I knew them from the heptathlon and we were friendly to each other. And they're like, what, what are you guys doing? I said, well, uh, we're pole vaulting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I should own it or just be like, sorry, I know it doesn't look like pole vaulting, but we are trying to pole vault here. <laughs> and um, you know, both of them were like, that looks so cool. Mm. And one of them said, Can I do it? And I said, Heck yeah, get in here because I don't want to look stupid by myself, you know? <laughs> um, so I remember both of them went and asked their coaches because it was, you know, some time before we'd have to get warmed up for the hurdles and stuff. And and I knew both of those coaches well, just because the multi, it's its small, intimate, you're around each other's coaches, you know, for long periods of time. So I knew the coaches and the BYU coach looked at his girl and he put his hands on his hips and it was a hard no, like shaking the head. No, go get warmed up for oh, whatever man. you're here to do. And um, the Utah State coach was a little bit more like, okay, visionary. I, I, you know, he's like, oh, he looked at his watch and he's like. He probably said, "Okay, I'll give you like 30 minutes to go dink around before you need to go start focusing on your event." Mm-hmm. So she came and joined us, and I remember kind of trying to teach her how to hold the pole and gave her a short run up and said, "Go for it!" Right. <laughs> and so that's kind of how it started. And then again, it would be weeks. Sometimes I felt like months before we'd pick up a pole, and um, we got through the indoor season, and then we had another spring meet. You know, early spring. And then I started hearing about um, Melissa Price in California was a high schooler, um, you know, starting to jump and li- little pockets around the country um, had started to jump. Well, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. This is probably a couple years later type thing. But mm. that, that first year was definitely not sure what I was doing. Why was I doing it? You know, I was there to do X, Y, Z on scholarship. But something inside me told me I'm really bad at this. And I'm not very good at walking away of something when I'm really bad at it. I want to try to challenge myself to, to get better at it. And my coach was really great at coaching and just having patience. And so I remember I stuck with it. Kind of all of my heptathletes friends friends <clears throat> kind of were in it, then out of it, and then he would recruit the next you know flow of athletes And so it went on like that for a couple of years. And then then I started hearing about Melissa Price. She was a California high schooler that had jumped really well, really fast shot a gymnastics background. Um, and then obviously Kelly Suttle with Earl bell, mm-hmm. um, Kim Becker was out there as well. And so it just, it small little pockets around the country, not a ton. And then not till 95, it was a, a USA championship event in Sacramento, kind of my hometown area, 30, 30 miles from my hometown. I was at Hughes stadium for the outdoor nationals and, Melissa Price was kind of, she had the best mark at the time. I was jumping like 10, 6. I think she was like eleven six 6 at the time. That was pretty great. And I remember warming up in the warm-up field. And I I just graduated from college and I didn't have a sponsor. So I'm there with my worn-out shoes, my who knows, Adidas warm-up pants on, you know, Miss Prime my Idaho State sweatshirt. I mean, I didn't look like a professional at all. And yeah. you know, did I know that I was supposed to No, but I'm there and I'm watching all of these people that I literally watched in the Olympics, like Jackie joyner warm up, Michael Johnson ran past me, like all these great athletes running past me. And I'm just standing there in awe, you know, going, Oh my gosh, what, where am I and what am I doing? Right. And then I remember, um, getting called to the call room. And the lady said, there's 40 women pole vaulters today. I'm going to go through your name and we're going to walk out to the field. And I thought 40 women pole vaulters, where did we all come from? This is amazing. I was terrified. So I remember going out to the field and warming up and starting at my three-step, my coach gives me the thumbs up to go back. He's like, we don't got a lot of time. There's 40 girls on the runway. Right.
0: get one up (laughs) jump.
1: Yeah. So, so I go back to the end of the runway and You know, kind of meeting some girls and and mind you, we don't have Instagram or smartphones at the time. So um I had no idea who any of these people were. Only on like Track and Field magazine uh news, Mm -hmm. my coach used to get it. So I used to thumb through it a little bit and you can kind of see, I don't know, they would keep a little bit of the rankings. So I knew some of the names, but I didn't have faces to the names. So trying to make friends, you know, in line a little bit, but still trying to be focused and competing and act like I know what I was doing. Right. So I'm in line. I'm up. I run down the runway on the same pole I was on for my three-step. As you can imagine, it probably didn't go well. <laughs> I planted, and whoa, Stacy flew off the back of the pit. <laughs> and, and I was so embarrassed. I didn't get hurt, but I flew off, and I was just hiding behind the pit, and I hear <laughs> over, overcome, over the we need another pit in the pole vault area. And I was so embarrassed. I didn't want to get up. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. And I remember oh, Steve Chapel runs down. He's um, the owner of UCS and they, they were the sponsor at these uh, trials and are, yeah, these nationals and was their pit. He comes over, he knew me because my coach knows him and we collaborated on some polls for me. And he's like, are you okay? I'm like, I think so. And he's like, okay, we're going to go get one of the high jump pits. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I had no idea what went wrong. I walk right. over, grab my pole. My coach calls me kind of off to the side of the track cause he can't be down there, but. He's over in the stands. He's like, "What pole was that?" I tell him. He's like, "Stacy, that's your three-step short pole. You need to be on this pole." And I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah. I totally <laughs> know what I'm doing. Yeah." <laughs> so, oh
0: my god! So that was
1: my entrance onto the big stage. Just totally embarrassed. Um, wow! But after that, I, I ended up taking second to Melissa. Uh, my PR on that day. On that day, yep. I didn't. I didn't get hurt, and oh, I wow. pushed myself. Wow! Got back on the runway. And after 40 girls, win, I ended up taking second um, and a gal that was 45 years old, Phil Rashney, I think that's how I say her last name. She um, rash rash Rashner. I'll have to look it up. She took third, 45 years old. I was like, who in the heck is this lady? And she's kidding. right. So she jumped, I think about 10, six I PR'd, I think by six, inch, six inches and Melissa PR. And I thought, man this was super fun. You yeah. know, I got to be here and kind of front of some of my family. My mom was terrified. Like, what are you doing? I am like, just come watch mom. I'm doing the pole vault. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm flying in the air and it's really fun.
0: <laughs> That's so crazy. That is insane. So like what, yeah. what was, I don't understand. It would be interesting to talk to these coaches and stuff that were You know, pushing you to, hey, let's try this, let's try this. Like, what? Do you know, like, what their motivation was? Was there any promise that this was going to happen? Like, was this a trending thing, or were they just like, you know what, this is BS? These girls, you know, I think that Stacy could pole vault really high if she had a chance.
1: Well, I think you know, we were kind of during that crisis of, um, really banning the men's pole vault is what I was told. There was a lot of incidents where guys were getting hurt, um, you know, whether it was, you know, bad selection of poles and, you know, falling in the box or breaking poles or who knows what. And then also <clears throat> we hadn't had a really great trend upward for the pole vault. So it was kind of dying in the States is what mm-hmm. I was told. Mm-hmm. And then I think with my coach realizing that women had the upper body strength to do this um, and the speed to do it, obviously we could long jump 20 feet plus, you know, put a pole in a girl's hand that can run, put a gymnast's kind of sense, you know, on top of it, we can pull up pretty well. So my, my coach would always do projections. Stacy, if you can jump 18, six, that probably. Equ-
0: hey, what's up everybody. Sorry. This podcast got a little sketchy here with the wifi. Uh, it happened maybe one or two more times, but I'm doing my best to edit it out. So bear with us. All right. She's back. Okay. Here we go. We're good. We're good. Okay, okay. So sorry about that. I don't know what happened there. That's
1: okay. So, um, yeah. Yeah. so my coach had been injured a couple of times when he was at Iowa, he was a pole vaulter at Iowa. And then his coach would say, go, go to the gymnastics room and work on your upper body, your inversion stuff. So I think when he was there doing his work, he would see these girls do amazing stuff, tumble, throw tricks, then be on the bars you know, do some amazing strength maneuvers. I think he always had that in the back of his mind. So then, um, and I, you know, he came from the seventies era. So I'm sure even during his time, he told me that there were women that tried to pole vault, but for so long, we were told that it was a men's event because mm. it would hurt X, Y, Z, in our reproductive system. But I think he just said enough, enough's enough, you know, right. And we're losing the pole vaults. We're, we're, there's a lot of schools that are talking about getting rid of the pole because it's so expensive just for one, you know, gender. If we brought in the women, we could fight for equality and have men and women have scholarships for men and women. And then we would have a, a, a more level playing field, especially for title nine issues. So, so early on, he was really adamant about helping the women's pole vault to grow. And then he was also kind of on the board to help women's steeplechase be implemented. And he also was on the board to help women's hammer be implemented. So my coach had this really great vision of, you know, helping the women in our sports. And so.
0: This is really um, crazy to me because like, I, I knew about the pole vault. I had no mm -hmm. idea about the steeplechase and I had no idea about the hammer.
1: Yeah. So So those were
0: also just, you just can't like, how, how, how did they, how did they, uh, you know, what was their argument on the hammer? Like, or, or the steeplechase, like, like pole vaulting, I, I pulled out things a little bit dangerous, so maybe they could try to make some kind of crazy excuse up, <laughs> but like the steeplechase and the hammer, that's so strange.
1: I just think equality. I mean, they're looking at numbers for title nine and they're yeah. like, okay, w- women can do this. Why aren't we letting them do this?
0: Right. Yeah. Just, it really came crazy. down to
1: that. It was just numbers. I think, um, you know, football has so many numbers and Um, you know, we're trying to cut these men's programs, but we have to have, you know, equal parts. And so we're, we're low on the women's side for, for events. So it just, it made sense. And those were the the events we were lacking. Um, so that's kind of, I think that's just really how it evolved was
0: Yeah. And that. my, my dad, whenever I was younger, whenever I, so I graduated high school in 2006, but right whenever I first started, so gosh, I'm terrible at math, like 2002. Um, so like, that's like right after you had won your gold medal and, and all of these things, and they were going to cancel a lot of, a lot of kids that we work with don't realize that pole vaulting was on the chopping block yeah. and especially in Illinois, in Illinois, it was for sure on the chopping block. Uh, and it was on the chopping block in Iowa and it got chopped.
1: Yep. So
0: there is no high school pole vaulting yep. in Iowa. And maybe right. people from Illinois or, or Idaho <laughs> might not realize like, Holy cow, there's States you can't, you can't pole vault in high school. That's yep. crazy. And my dad, uh, was really concerned about it. Um, my freshman year of high school, cause I was working so hard to try to be my best. And and I loved it. And, uh, he would always tell me, he'd be like, you know, if it wasn't for women's pole vaulting, this whole thing would be done. And, and I never understood really kind Uh, of what he meant by that. Um, but now you're really putting this into perspective, like, wow, that's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. So I didn't, you know, I didn't know I was fighting a couple different battles, you know, I was just trying to do my best doing something new, but my coach obviously knew the history of the vault came from Iowa came from actually um, outside of Chicago where he grew up and then went to Iowa to school. So he was, he was there, you know, Jan Johnson is from Chicago. Mm -hmm. He always goes back and, you know, does clinics there to kind of help revitalize and stuff. But it's, um, even in Texas, Texas was trying to push it out um, and not allowing the women's pole vault to even start there. And I, I remember writing a letter, to their state board, um, you know, through my coach, my coach goes, it would be really great if you wrote this and you signed this because you're that, you're that girl that's coming up and you have an impact on this movement. And I, I didn't want to be the political person, you know, (laughs) but, but also I was like, I'm having so much fun. I can't even believe that a state would not allow this. If you have the right coaching, if you have the right equipment, it could be done very safely. Mm-hmm. But I think there was so many problems early in that early 2000 as well. A couple of kids died, you know, and um, they were getting, you know, tons of concussions and things. And so there was a little bit of, a lot of better of research put into it and saying, okay, how, how safe is the pole vault? Mm-hmm. Is this really what we want our kids to be doing? Should mm-hmm. we be wearing helmets? That was a big issue for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of research done, you know, showing maybe a helmet would help. Someone, if they were falling off the pit like Stacy did early on, I didn't hit my head. I I hit my rump roast. And (laughs) (laughs) but if I hit my head, yeah, I probably could. I yeah, I could have had some serious problems. Um, but then they found out that by wearing a helmet could actually cause more more problem. If you had a softer pit and you fell into that pit and you really you know squished down the mat, your head is actually getting torqued even more. Mm -hmm. They didn't they didn't really think that the helmet would be Would be any better. So then we talked about the rating of the pole and how you can't jump on poles, you know, less than your weight. And a lot of people are like, Why can't you do that? And obviously in meats and things you can't do that. I mean, I train my kids on smaller poles all the time to understand. You
0: you I'm glad you actually said that. And
1: you know, yeah, probably yeah. But I do and but I I there's a progression that I go through. It's just not like, Hey, grab a small pole and let's see how much you can bend this pole. It's not about that. It's just feeling a little bit of flex in that pole and creating that stretch, um, mm-hmm. to get in the pit. And then, you know, then I start zeroing in on the pull that they need, but for a kid to just get a big old pull and get hit by it, it doesn't feel very good. Kids might not want to come back and pull vault again. It's like running. Right. A rip, well, and it, it can work.
0: It can work both ways because if you, if you, and I'm not advocating for like, you have to, you have to have a very dialed in coach and a coach that really understands what they're doing like yourself Like if I sent my daughter to you and you were like, Hey, uh, your daughter's going to jump on a pole a little bit, like maybe five pounds below her body weight. I would be like, totally fine. Totally cool. Because Stacy knows what she's doing, you know, with that, but like it can, it can work both ways because, okay, now Stacy, you have to get my daughter on a pole at her body weight. And right. let's say that maybe she's not ready to jump on that pole and then she gets rejected or flips straight upside down over the box yeah. and comes yeah. back down, you know? So then it's like, well, that's unsafe too, sure. you know? So I think yeah. at the end of the day, it all just, I probably where you're going with this is, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but just really solid, good coaching and instruction.
1: Yeah. You know, we, we've talked about this even at the national convention, you know, Greg Cole is our chairman and he gets frustrated with it as well. And I don't want to put words in his mouth, but it's all about having knowledgeable coaches out there. If a kid's going to sit on a pole and not move a pole, we got a problem. Yeah. Don't put him on a soft pole. And I won't, right. like if I get a kid that I don't see all the time that comes in once in a blue moon to come train with me. No, I'm not doing that because right. I know exactly what he's going to do. He's going to pull on it. He's going to think he needs to bend it by yanking on it or sitting on it. Right. I'm like, that's not how we pull Walt. Right. So I'm a big proponent of stiff pole drills, one arm drills, moving the pole. And I get kids that come here from other clubs and like, we don't do straight pole drills. I'm like, well, there's a huge, huge learning curve that is, is taught in that moment. And Mm -hmm. I think you're missing a big opportunity there because kids get used to being on a flex pole way too soon. They don't learn how to jump off the ground. And I I think their body is in, you know, in compromised positions and you might get this, you know, wear on your low back a little bit sooner than maybe, you needed to, and they're just not being athletic off the ground. And I just, it, it, yeah. So when I when I have camps, I start my camps the same way. I don't care if you're a 16 footer coming into my camp. You're gonna learn how to do a straight pull. And they're like, well, we don't do that. Like, well, you paid money to come to camp. You're gonna learn something new today. <laughs> Whether you take it home with you from my camp, that's up to you. But hopefully, you'll understand why we're doing it, and hopefully, it's gonna line you up a little bit better than what you've been been lined up with on a bent pole. So,
0: right. Right. Um, we just, uh, opened up an option at our gym, uh, for, so, was, so we have a two day, we, we have a membership, uh, program, so it's two days a week. And those two days a week, first day of the week is, you know, your kind of, we would call it like your big day. Like we're going to try it. We're going to, we're gonna get through your straight pole drills. We're gonna get through your couple, you know, running plant drills or whatever you call them. And, and then we're gonna, the majority of the time is going to be jumping at a bungee. Uh, we would call that, you know, like our long approach day where we're, we're really focusing on the, the big full picture. And then the second day of the week is our drill day where we, you know, really emphasize those straight pole drills, but then we also do our bent pole drills. Um, But then we opened up an open gym option on Saturdays. It's really cheap and you can come in, but uh, we just opened it up. So I'm waiting for some emails to come in, Uh, but we're not allowing bent poles. Uh, at the open gym. So, so some of these kids are going to be like, that's bogus. Like this is so, so it's, it, it actually, you saying that helped me out a lot. Um,
1: no, I love it. I think there's so much technique to be learned by a straight pole drill, you know, and we even have like three step straight pull competitions. The kids hated at first, but then, you know, they got their little bar that, you know, we do it over a bungee. They get you know, a mark, like, Oh, maybe put it up a little bit. Then they get really into it. Yeah. At first it's, it's a struggle because kids have a hard time understanding how to move a pole and then swing on it, and connect. And, but right. um, yeah, last year we, we did a ton of that and um, just learning how to come off the ground, you know, have a dynamic impulse off the ground instead of being flat and running through the middle of the pole. There's so much to learn from it. So Absolutely. I'm, I'm super happy And when I've listened to a couple of your other podcasts, I know that's kind of you guys, you know, you're, you're, foundation is really sound and I love it because there's just a lot of clubs out there that really cut the corners to appease the kid and not stay true to your values. And even for me, like we're in this conditioning phase right now and we have 300s on Monday and I've been doing it for five years up here and the kids hate it, but you know what? It it builds character. It, it challenges their mind. Yeah. You know, their body breaks down a little bit, but you know what? I it's, it's like the supercharge. It's like you get broke down a little bit. You think you can't do it, and then at the end of the month, at the end of October, we'll do a one rep max. And they all can't wait to do that to see how much better they've gotten. That's cool. So I love doing it. It it builds, you know, some camaraderie within the, the group as well, pushing, pushing, pushing each other. And then just within yourself, just kind of challenge yourself outside of that box that we're so used to putting ourselves in. Um,
0: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that, and actually my younger brother, uh, Luke, who he, he works at, at Rise and, and we, He always says like, Jake, we always have to remember that, uh, we're here to make them better. And, uh, we're not here to, for just like, Hey, you guys get 20 bends of the pole today. You know, like, like we're here, like if 20 bends of the pole is not what they need to get better, like they're what they're, they're not paying for, uh, they're paying for improvement. They're not paying for reps. Like if they're paying for reps, we could just open it up and just let it fly. But if they're paying for improvement, that doesn't always mean you're going to jump full jumps at a bungee today. Or, you know, some days it might mean, hey, today you're not going to bend the pole at all today. We're just going to work on this thing and you're going to hate it. But just give me a couple of weeks and you'll be good you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's what we got to kind of, he, he always reminds me of that. Cause I'm always concerned about, well, I want to make sure they get enough reps and all these things. And-
1: yeah. I want to make sure like, I, you know, I get it from the kids all the time. My parents want to know how high I jumped today. And I'm like, you said, Mom, and Dad, it's <laughs> yeah. not always about how high that bungee is. Right. Cause if we're not working on technique right now, that foundational platform, mm-hmm. how are we going to get there? And you know, we, your other, I listened to a couple of your podcasts and I love it. It's about consistency. And, you know, I was trained for consistency. That's why I was so well for so long is that there was consistency in my training Mm -hmm. and I'll get kids come in and, you know, they'll, they'll like, especially in the spring, they'll bounce around from me to their coaches. I wrote, I wrote a program for the month. I know what we're doing. We might vary a little bit here and there, Mm -hmm. but the meat potatoes are in there and every kid's a little bit different. You know, some kid might have to work on a straight pole or, Hit more slide box because they're late with their plant. But there's there's meat potatoes to that substance. And if I just wing netted it, I I would never, I wouldn't know how to measure success for for the gym or for the individual too. So I encourage the kids to to write journals as well and kind of follow, hey, where are you gripping from your three? Where are you gripping from your four? What pull are you on? You know, when we when we do a lot of bent pull stuff, it's from our four-step, our five-step, and then. Once we get back to our six, we we should be pretty close to our, you know, weight that we should be on because we're understanding how to move a pole from a shorter run. Right. And we don't really go back to a six step until we go to Reno. I kind of hold the reins and they hate me for it, but they have huge improvements at Reno. Sometimes they'll PR, they'll be on two poles bigger and they're just so jacked to get the season started. So it's an awesome opener for our kids. And I didn't really, I kind of didn't have the bent pole in my Training for a while, and then I had a group go back to Boston. I take a group of high-level kids that come to my camp, and we kind of handpick kids that really want to go to an Ivy League or you know um, a school back east to get them to go to an early meet. Sorry, I'm kind of off. Off. No,
0: no, no. Right this is great. I'm interested in um, this. Actually, this is kind um, of um cool We go aspect. back
1: to BU. There's an open meet back there, and they've always allowed me to bring some kids back there. And so we handpick kids from my different camps. We'll do a, a um a questionnaire before kids come to camp. So I kind of know where they might want to go to school, what their grade point average is and, and, you know, they'll put their dream school out there. So if it is a school that's like an Ivy league, you know, I kind of put a star next to their name and then I just kind of watch them at camp. And I, if I see that they're a good kid and I feel like I would be absolutely, you know, excited to represent this kid, you know, going back to, to Boston, then I'm going to invite them to go. And so we've done this the last four or five years and then COVID hit. and We haven't gone the last two years. But um, we'll get kids to go back there. Now I can't remember what I was going with. My thought was.
0: You were uh, uh, taking them out to the East coast uh, yeah. to, to help maybe give them some exposure to stuff out yes. there. And you were, so, you were, so, you were staying at like six lefts or it was like your yeah, first time at you. six.
1: You're with me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there's been a couple of kids that have gone from my club and then I'll get kids, you know, from all over the country, literally. And my kids, you know, not bragging or anything, but my kids are so solid on their fours and fives. And then I'll get kids that come, Oh, I want to get back to my six or seven. I'm like, you don't need to, to impress these Mm -hmm. coaches, just working on shorter sounder technique right now, they're going to see kind of that package that you have, right? Yeah. We'd like to run fast, but that's, that's for later in the season, just show them that you can run from a shorter run and be really technical. And, you know, we try to, Convey that when we do a Zoom call with the kids before we go, like hey, these are our expectations. We want you to be training. You should have pretty consistent training before we go. It is super early. It's early December. Even my kids, you know, it's early for them. But um, these are the types of things we were expecting for you to do. If you're going to pay that kind of money to go on that kind of trip, you don't want to go back there and just, oh, I haven't touched the pole since July. Right. That's kind of not a not a good, <laughs> no. not a good game plan there. Absolutely. So yeah, so so it's, it's worked great for us. Just, Oh, so yeah. So when we were back there, um, I invited Scott Houston to come and be one of my assistant coaches. I like to bring different cool. people in. I love to be around, yeah. you know, different coaches and pick people's brains. And um, I had met Scott on our stick jumping campaign a couple years prior and, and my friend, April Steiner's good friends with them and just, you know, this great networking group of pole vaulters and um, and I wanted a male figure to come on board. Cause I had a lot of great boys on this trip and, um, so we were just sitting around having coffee one day and I, I said, what do you do in your training? You know, what can we tell these kids? Cause we'll sit down and talk shop a little bit. And I go, what, what is something that you really like in your training? That's helped you understand, you know, pull movement and everything. And he goes, well, I really like my deep vaults. And I like, Oh,
0: oh okay, yeah. I
1: haven't, I haven't, you know, I used to do those. I used to have a really small pole and it would be a part of my warm up. I do my straight poles then I'd go to a three or four and just just rail this pole and try to get as deep as I can and keeping pressure on my hands. And I think about it sometimes, my coach had me do some pretty amazing stuff, but when I was in the moment and so young and naive to the event, I really didn't know why I was doing half the stuff I was doing. It's not until yeah. later, like, oh, I'm connecting the dots. Like, that's why we're doing that. You know, and I've had a couple great coaches after Dave, you know, when I finished my career and just taking all this knowledge and, you know, try to use as much as I can for, for, for my coaching now. And, um, and I said, gosh, Scott, I haven't, I haven't done that drill with these kids. Cause I didn't used to put them on bent poles like that. I wouldn't, you know, I, I didn't, but I was like, half my kids can jump off the ground really well. Why don't I put them on smaller poles? So when I got back, I said, okay, we're going to focus this next three weeks on, you know, softer poles from a four step, really getting deep in the pit. The kids are like, you don't want me to turn up. I'm like, I don't want you to turn up. I just want you to hit your takeoff swing to, Parallel and and just keep that pressure on your top arm and extend off off the pole. Yeah, and it's all about your top arm pressure, just constantly keeping that pressure. And after that time, you know, then we were leading into Reno. It was it was a game changer for my kids. They went up a couple poles and they're like, "How am I doing that?" I'm like, "Do you (laughs) see your top arm? Let me let me have you watch the video." So that that arm never stopped moving, and they're just they were jacked. They were so excited. That's so that was fun little tidbit that I that I got from Scott. I don't know if I ever thanked him, but thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's the biggest thing is that, uh, I think it's
1: love stealing knowledge from people.
0: Yeah. And, uh, the greatest coaches always do. Um, the worst coaches are the ones who are just like, this is my way or the highway. And, uh, I have yeah, no way. room, no yeah. room to improve. I am the end all be all. And, and that's <clears> the <throat> thing is that, and to be honest with you, it's a little secret, uh, that's my whole reason I started this podcast <laughs> was because I wanted to yeah. I wanted to talk to Derek Miles and Brad Walker and Stacy Draguilla and like all these people. And uh it I was like, this could be a good way that I could actually sneak, sneak in and, and get and some good conversations.
1: <laughs> that was great. I love it. And yeah, when when you sent me your podcast, I apologize for not listening earlier. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna listen to one. And then I was hooked. I'm like, gosh, this is so great because it's all this stuff that you should know, but just everybody's own take on it. Right. And how they look at things maybe a little bit differently and like, Oh, I can use that. Or this is great information. Or how did they deal with this elite athlete that they had in their club or, or a kid that's, you know, not quite there yet. I just, I think it's great. So thanks for doing this because I think it, it will help a lot of people just get different points of view and then try to use it in their own training for their tools.
0: Yeah. And I appreciate that. Um, I think the biggest thing for me when, whenever, after I had started it is, um, reassurance, uh, cause that I, you know, sometimes you maybe second guess what you're doing and things like that, but then, you know, I'll talk to someone like you and I'll be like, Oh, okay, good. I, I'm, we're doing good stuff. Okay. Like <laughs> no, I, talk sometimes to, I get that way too.
1: Am I doing the right thing?
0: Yeah. Oh, do I, I really? Yeah. Should
1: I really just let him go back to full run? Just let him have it? <laughs> Hell <Yeah>. no. <laughs> right. That's one thing I have not done yet. No.
0: And then, yeah. And then you'll get on a podcast with, I don't know if you've listened to, listened to Brad's, but you listen to that one and it's like, holy cow. Okay. Yes. All right. Yes. I will do what, you know, I keep doing what I'm doing, you know, cause he's, yes. he's got, you know, his, his way of doing things. And I was like, man, this is so cool that, <clears throat> that a lot of the things that I think, um, you know, line up with, with someone, someone like Absolutely. him and like you guys, but, um, I was curious kind of going back to your, uh, beginning days as, as a vaulter. Uh, well, actually, so it was really quick. What was the time frame from when you started to when you won the Olympic gold? What was,
1: so <clears throat> in 92 in the fall, I picked up the pole for the first time. And then in 2000, so that seven years, it's pretty short time frame. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I wouldn't say those first two years were anything. It was like, I don't even, I mean, it wasn't like I was training regularly because we still didn't really know what was going on. I was in school to do the heptathlon. So I had a lot on my plate, but whenever my coach could squeeze it in or, you know, Sometimes he would invite invite me and a couple of the girls to come down on a weekend and just even on a Sunday. He's like, just it's an active recovery day. Just come down and play pole vault for a little bit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's so crazy.
1: You can make it all nonchalant. Oh, okay.
0: So then after you won the gold, I'm just curious, like, so then did they just... So once it was in the Olympics, then did they just be like, okay, now this is going to be a Grand Prix event and we're going to start, you know, but being we able to go over bus- to Europe? and
1: Yeah, it was, um, I, I, what did I do? Um, 95. So after I graduated and I competed in that first U S nationals and I took second to Melissa, I went home, start doing my hostess job, getting ready for grad school. I got an, I got a, a letter in the mail. It was from. USA track and field. And I thought, oh my gosh, what did I do wrong? Did I embarrass them Cause I flew off the pit, right. but I opened up the, the letter and I had no idea. I was so naive. And luckily my coach had an Olympian in the high jump in 92. So he was a little bit of aware of the elite circuit and competing on the international scene. Cause she went over a little bit um, to compete. So he had a little knowledge of what went on in Europe, you know, the opportunities over there. Um, I got a letter and it said, congratulations, you by placing second at the u.s nationals you um are on the team for u.s versus great britain and and at first i was i just read that and i was like great britain i can't afford an international flight i don't even have a passport and (laughs) how am i supposed to do this but i remember keep reading and it said please get your passport we'll pay we'll pay you back you know to get that um get your flight from wherever you're flying from. We're going to stop in in New York, collaborate as a team, get together as a team and then fly over as a U.S. team from there. And then you'll have a per diem once you get over there. So wow. I heard like no expenses. I was like, what? I'm going to go to Europe for free. So I remember after my shift, I rode my bike up to my coach and I said, read this letter. <sighs> I got invited to go to Europe. And he's like, Oh, I've heard about this meet. It's a fun one. And he goes, "Well, we better start training because at the end of that I I was like, okay, it was July. I'm take the rest of the summer off work, get ready for grad school." He's like, "Well, I'll see you practice in a little bit." So, I started training again to get ready for this team and that was super fun to have that exposure. And I think that really kind of solidified, okay, yeah, I want to train for this event. This is pretty cool. Right. Got some interna- international exposure. You know, most of us go to track meets and you know, track is not the first love here in the United States. It's you have to beg your Friends and family to come watch you, and that's basically who's in the stands, and the rest of the athletes waiting to do their thing. Yeah, but when we got there, um, I remember warming up, and people just kept coming and coming and coming, and I was like, There's a lot of people here. And they announced there's 30,000 people in the stands. I'm like, What
0: <laughs> that's crazy, you know?
1: And that was the first time I remember going to my room, and there was a bag on my bed, and it was a USA bag, and I was like, What is this? So me and Melissa were sharing a room and we opened the bag and it was USA gear. I was like, are you, are you, are you kidding me? We're representing the United States. We get to wear the USA uniform. Like that was, that was like over the top for me. I mean, we were in there like trying every outfit on how should we wear it? Should we wear the boy shorts? Should we wear the briefs? Should we wear the crop top? should We wear the long top. Should we wear the spandex? I mean, it was just like we we're having our tea and crumpets and just having this great old time in <laughs> England so cool. and we didn't know what to wear. And, um, and then we got in the elevator. This is a funny fact. We got in the elevator. We're all jacked up. We got our USA gear on. We're bright and shiny. And we get in the elevator, and some other athletes get on the elevator and they look at me and Melissa and they look back around, take a double take, and they're like, Are you the race walk team? And I was like,
0: Oh, what? I mean,
1: I have nothing against race walkers, but <laughs> geez, I said, uh, no, we're pole vaulters. And they, and I remember, I don't remember exactly who it was, but it was a couple sprinters. They're like, Oh, we heard about these girls trying to pole vault. Now I look at Melissa. I'm like, Try, you just watch us out there. You know? <laughs> so I was, it was, it was, you know, we had to really like perform too, because a lot of people didn't believe that this was going to stick. Not you only you to
0: prove your worth.
1: Oh yeah. Almost. Um athletes were like, oh, those are the women pole vaulters over there. And then managers and meet promoters, you could hear them all just talking underneath their breath. I remember yeah. um that next summer when I went to Europe back in the day, you had to wait to get your your money. I mean, I didn't win that much money, but there was prize money after a meet. And I, I think I ended up taking second. And so I there was a little bit of prize money. You have to put your name on this list, and then you have to wait. And the smaller meets the meat promoter would be in one of the rooms and he'd have a safe next to him and Guido next to him watching the money. And you'd come in and look at your contract that you signed and said, okay, this is what you agreed to. You took this place, you get this amount of money and they just counted out and hand it to you. And um, I remember waiting in line and there was a couple managers and they're like, so you're a pole vaulter, huh? I'm like, yeah. So how long do you think this is going to last?
0: Oh no. I'm like,
1: what do you, what do you mean? Well, do you really think this is going to, you know, stick? I mean, you guys run around in your little skimpy outfits. I mean, it was really bad. I was like, I'm wearing the same outfit that everybody else wears. Right. I haven't doctored my outfit or anything. I'm wearing the same thing the distance runners wear. I'm wearing the same thing the sprinters wear. There was a lot of that going on early on.
0: Wow. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. So we we really had to prove ourselves those first couple years to – you know, um, to really, I don't know, just, you know, say, no, we're here to stay. And the good thing is that every time we literally went out, a record would be broken. And I was going to
0: say that. Yeah.
1: Um, it was kind of like right back in their face, like, huh. You know, and I remember going up to a couple and I became friends with them, you know, after I got to know them, I'm like, you thought that we weren't going to stick around and guess what? Now you're managing half of them. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Ah, You know, so it's, it's come full circle, buddy. Um, That's but, crazy. uh, Yeah, it was just it was it was a different time, and you know we had to wade through a lot of muck right at that beginning stages. But I'm I'm glad that I just really kind of I lived in a small town, you know, Pocatello, Idaho. I was training by myself with my coach, and I I didn't hear a lot of the white noise until I would you know get places. Right. And luckily there wasn't internet to just watch, you know, I don't know, maybe somebody make fun of us or whatever. I I didn't have all those things. So I was just doing my thing. My coach would set goals for me. So we would just kind of follow what, what my plan was, what, what, what coach had wrote out for me and what Stacy's plan was for that year. And luckily I was able to accomplish a lot of those things and, and then just, you know, go to competitions and do what I do, what I do. So, um, and then just not, just kind of smile and smirk at the people that, that doubted us. It, it was, it was interesting for sure.
0: That's super interesting. And, and you had mentioned about the records and stuff. So that's what I kind of was thinking about whenever, if I were to be in that situation, I would think that that would be like super exciting. Cause I'm, cause probably like every weekend it would be like, Oh dude, she jumped this high. Oh, she jumped this high. Oh yeah. my gosh. Oh my gosh. And then, yeah. and then like, I started to think to myself, I don't, I don't, I'm not, well-versed in the history of, of the records and stuff like that. But, um, it would almost be like kind of crazy because you're like, well, okay, so how high can women pole vault? And it's like, well, there's, there's never been a ceiling. So you're just going and pushing this frontier just a little bit at a time, just, you know, and so how, how was that?
1: Well, again, going back to my coach being the nerd that he is and, um, you know, he's written a lot of uh, um, papers and stuff for track and field and just a student of the, the event. And he didn't really pour that onto me. He just kept it very simple because he knew I was in the moment. And, you know, sometimes we'd sit down and talk about physics or he'd show me a book that he was looking at and then writing a paper and make me proofread it. And I learned a lot, obviously, by doing that. Um, but his projections obviously came from the long jump, you know, and, and speed. Right. You know, okay. I. Yeah you know, when I was competing, we would sometimes film an eight millimeter. We didn't have these fast phones or anything. And <laughs> it would be a week later that I'd watch my film. And I'm like, I don't remember that feeling, Dave. I don't even know what you're trying to have me, you know, accomplish now. And he's like, okay, well, let's go back and watch Sergei Bupka because he had a TV in his office and we'd slow down his jumps. And Max Tarasov was another one that I remember watching. John Calfeon was there too. And, you know, a couple of other great ones. Um, But obviously everybody at that time thought Sergey was the end all right yeah right and um so trying to emulate his takeoff and his swing or just obviously I knew I wasn't fast as him but just understanding the connection that he was making and then Dave and I would try to go down to the track and you know he'd talk through it in gymnastics terms sometimes of you know covering the pole and and luckily his wife owned a gym two blocks from the university. So we would go down on Thursday nights and on Sundays would be my recovery day. We would work a lot of gymnastics and that helped me really understand and appreciate the aerial aspect and the pressure in my hands and Mm. being dropped back on my shoulders and spotting my toes and things like that. So, um, so that was huge for, for my, my growth. Absolutely. Because I didn't have any women to watch, you know, um, right. And then my own video was, you know, Dave was so busy. We didn't have time to go back to the office right then and there and go watch eight millimeter and try to find it. It was horrible. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, It was pretty much worthless. Absolutely. So I just remember, you know, at the end, as I got better and the Reno summit evolved into more of a, of a clinic for the elites, Peter McGinnis came on board and he was a, our biomechanist and he would obviously go to our, all our nationals and film our speed. Um, you know, and, and he could, break down obviously our jump. And sometimes he would come out and talk to Dave and I and just say, gosh, you know, Stacy's running pretty fast. She's a little bit deficient here. If you guys could work on this X, Y, Z, I think her jump could be even this, mm. you know, and then Dave, I would still train as a heptathlete, gosh, almost my whole career with him. Um, I would train really hard as a heptathlete in the fall, just really get a great base. And then as my season would take off for the international season, taper off, Um, but I was still, I still remember in the year 2000, I was out at the track with Mel and Kelly and we had a couple meets in Europe and my workout was some 300s and they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I got to go run three, 300s are like, why? (laughs) (laughs) Well, because Stacy likes to take 15 jumps in warmups and she probably takes about 15 in the competition. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I was a little bit more efficient, but that's just how I jumped and you know, yeah. looking back or trying to train kids now, I'm like, okay, let's try not to do the way Stacy did it because that's, I was exhausted half the time, oh, but I knew man. I could dig deep too, because I had that depth. Yeah. Um, you know, and I would still do long jump takeoffs at, um, when I would be over in Europe in my training and stuff, it wasn't just like, Oh, go do some pull runs and maybe hit a little bit of weights to stimulate your body. I was doing full out heptathlon workouts. Yeah. And but that just, that was what I came from. And that's what I knew. And that's what gave me confidence to go ask Mel and Kelly to do that. That wasn't their thing. Kelly did a little bit of long jumping. So sometimes she'd play around with me, but mm-hmm. it really wasn't a part of their training. Right. Uh, so that makes
0: sense. Yeah. And that would yeah. be hard to just automatically just like cut off what you've done for so long and just be like, yep, I'm not going to train like that anymore. I'm going to train like this. Cause your confidence yeah, I mean, maybe yeah. is seated in, in your training from before exactly. you were a pole ball. Exactly.
1: So, you know, I, you know, I have my kids do 300s. I have my kids, you know, run over hurdles, do hurdle work. We long jump. We work on the penultimate because I think right now in the moment they think they're pole vaulters and probably half of them are, or 80% of them are, but that other 30% is going to find another event they probably are passionate about too. Mm. And I think it makes them more athletic, you know, to be a better pole vaulter and it makes them more marketable if they want to go on to. To a college, you know, oh, you can run as well. Oh, you can long jump a little bit, you know, okay. You can do more than one event because pole vault's really hard for the men, particularly to get scholarship money. So if you can be, yeah. unless you're like, you know, your stud guy jumping 16 plus, you're going to have to be able to do some other stuff.
0: Even then, even then, yeah, I it, mean,
1: it's getting I always say
0: I was, I was ranked sixth coming out of um, high school. And my best offer was 60%, you know, and, uh, I was ranked six in the country and, um, and the rest of them were like, oh, we'll give you, uh, we'll give you, I had a couple of say books, you know, like I had a couple that were like, uh, you know, 30%, 40%. And I was like, dude, I'm like the sixth best falter in the country right now. How am I getting a little bit more? Maybe
1: long jump in your repertoire. Do you think, I mean, it's a gamble. I think a lot of coaches think it's a gamble. You do one event, you know, height, we're not getting any points. Mm. You can do something else for me you're on a relay or it's, it's horrible thinking, you know, as a pole vaulter, you you want to be able to focus on that event. Right. But we all yeah. know, that, you know, we all have uh, our ups and down days too. And it's, it's inevitable to have one of those days that it doesn't go right. But for the most part, it's like, yeah, I want to be a pole vaulter. um, And that's what I want to train for.
0: Yeah. And that's the hard thing is I think mentally, um, that I, I think that's exactly right. You, you grow up and you're like, well, I don't really want to long jump. Like I just, I just want to pole vault. And I would always, I would be nervous. Uh, you know, if like that coach, cause I know that if I, if I pull let's say I jumped 16 feet in high school and, and I, and I could long jump, you know, 22 feet or, and then high jump, you know, six, seven or six, eight then it's like, you know, that that coach is going to grab you and be like, Hey man, have you ever thought about the decathlon? (laughs) It's like, like, I do not want to do the decathlon. (laughs) So it's, it's just difficult. Speaking of the decathlon. So, uh, that is something that's like kind of the elephant in the room is we're talking all about women can't do the pole vault because of reproductive problems, you know, back in the day, what, how is there not a women's decathlon? competed like at Big Meets now.
1: We've we've talked about it. I've I've you know I've um politicized is that a word? (laughs) I've helped promote it. I've actually done one. Um when I when was it? It was after uh, shoot, when was it? It Was after one of the world champ championships. Oh after indoor world championships. I came back. We went on spring break. My coach goes, You're gonna do a Decathlon down at Occidental. I'm like okay, sweet. I got to run a 15. That's all I thought. 1,500? Ooh, 1,500. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's like, that's no problem. But oh, um, man. so again, my coach is just always forward thinking like, you got to do it because women can do this. The big gripe is that I hear is that we don't have room in the schedule for it. I'm like, you can make room for the schedule yeah, in the schedule. It's total BS. Um, I think it would be awesome because I think the heptathlon, most heptathletes out there that- are going to kill me but i think it's too easy like mm. i've done a million heptathlons it's not like going and running a 100 miler like the decathlon i mean i kind of look at those two things like that's yeah. pretty brutal to be able to stay in it for that long um and you know be depleted that much and be that good at what you do that that takes some guts the heptathlons yeah. i think there's nothing super super duper challenging in there if you're a speed oriented person the heptathlon you're going to crush jammed, it. Is yeah. Jammed. You're
0: just, you're going to completely Throw something crush
1: technical it. in there. Like, Oh, maybe uh, the pole vault right. or the discus, then we're going to change things up a little bit.
0: Yeah. So, and that's the thing is that it's like, there's, there's a lot of girls that probably you could point to at your, uh, gym and I could point to at My gym, that is like, wow, you would crush a decathlon, you know, but it's like, how how on earth is there in the times that we live in right now, how on earth is there not a women's decathlon? It just really
1: they're they're dabbling in a little bit. I wanted, I wanted to go to, it It was actually, um, when nationals were in Sacramento, not too long ago, when was that? Um, oh gosh, was that 2014 or 15. They had the women's multi up, um, out of, I think in Colfax, right? Like I, I live in Auburn. You were there just mm-hmm. like 15 minutes North of where I'm from.
0: Oh, okay. they had
1: a women's decathlon there because so many, there was, it's quiet. It's kind of on, on, on the underground, but there was probably 15 competitors in it. That's that did great. It. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a start. It's just, they gotta be a little bit louder, you know? Start I saw some to-
0: results from something like yeah. maybe earlier in the summer or something.
1: And it's going to take some time uh, to really find that person. You know, I'm sure a lot of these girls were ex pole vaulters then like, you know, maybe dabbled in the, in the long jump or the hurdles, like, okay, I'll do it. I'm not afraid to go do it,
0: yeah. which
1: it's so awesome. Yeah. And then other ones have like, you know, not done the pole vault, but done these other events and just figuring it out. Right. It's right. It's all about this trial process. So, I'm all for it. I think it would be awesome and I think you'd really see who who is the greatest athlete, you know. Yeah.
0: Um, you know, actually you I don't know if this this uh, this just popped into my head. So you had mentioned about that hundred miler and and uh you could do things like that. So there's like a lot of research that says that uh women have a much uh like larger capacity to be able to excel at ultra distance events. And like there's uh there's like the discrepancy between the men and women, like women win these hundred milers all the time. Like, and they beat all the men. Like I am going to get dusted by out of shape women this entire weekend. (laughs) Like it's, it's like, it's crazy. And, uh, and there's, I forget where the research was, but, but it's just, it's just ridiculous. It's like, oh, well.
1: Childbirth. I mean, if I mean, yeah, come on, right, man. right, yeah, I mean, <laughs> come on. you push eight eight pounds out, you can do it.
0: When you carry it <laughs> for nine like, months? In the other room, <laughs> right, right. That's a that's a that's a crazy crazy itself. thing.
1: Uh, yeah, no, but yeah, crazy to think. It's that. wild,
0: and I have I have two daughters, and I think you have.
1: Two. Yep. I have two, two girls,
0: two daughters. So like in the back of my head, I'm like, come on, give me a freaking break. You know, like if my daughters want to do the decathlon, they need to have the opportunity to be able to do that. It will, um, it will
1: be here. It will be here. I, I believe I it. Think will. So too. I think it will come. Yeah. I it's, think it's so. It's taken a while, but I think it's going to come. It's I think really right after this podcast the Record is released. And the heptathlon right now and go, sorry, sweets. We're going to change your event up. Here's a poll.
0: And right. Right.
1: This. Right. They don't want to give up their title or learn all these other events, they're going to either succumb to it or like retire. I don't, I don't think they would keep the heptathlon and the decathlon.
0: That's a good point. And I didn't think about that. I didn't think about the fact that is actually a really good point because now... I've connected the dots. Cause in my head, I was like, well, just add the decathlon. So that makes sense because you wouldn't want to have the heptathlon and the decathlon. So you would have to ax the heptathlon you have to
1: ax it, yeah.
0: and you would have to, so you, it would be like, Hey, in four years, we're axing the heptathlon. So you guys better learn how to pull vault and you better learn how to throw the disc and you're like, you better learn all these yeah. things. So yeah. you would have to give them a very like Fair. long heads up.
1: I think so. You know? Yeah. To make it, fair for them.
0: Right. Right. Which is pretty crazy. So speaking of, uh, your daughters, um, how do they have any interest in doing anything with track and field or pole vaulting? I'm sure they're around it all the time.
1: They're around it all the time. How old are your girls?
0: Uh, four and six,
1: four and six. Okay. So mine are nine and 11 Mm. and yeah, I own a gym and they come down with me quite frequently and they, they love my high school kids. They pole vault when they want to, they don't like listening to me because I'm mom, so I right. let everybody else coach them. And um, so at this moment, they're they're protesting. They don't want to be down there.
0: Is that right? <laughs> They don't want anything <laughs> like, to do with
1: okay. it. Okay, they don't think. you have something simple. I don't know. I don't know if you have like um, what do you have in your backyard and you don't use it. You think you're going to use it all the time and you just don't use it. Right. So I think. I hope it's at that stage. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty impressed. Like they can carry the pole. They, you know, they haven't been taught that much, but just by watching all my, all my kids, they're, they're in a good space. As long as they're playing, having fun, I'm not pushing it right now. I'm not looking for records at their age group. At first I was like, oh gosh, what's the age group record at eight? Alex could have had it, but she didn't really train for it. So guess what? You don't get it sister, I'm not going to just give it to you. You got to like actually train and you probably could get it right now. We're working on the, you know, the 11 foot. I don't even know what the uh, 11 year old record is at her age, but you know, she runs over hurdles. I have a kid's class that I run down at my gym. I call it intro to athletics. So I have, Oh, cool. I have, you know, the, the, the power max hurdles that you can make different heights and I have the little wickets. So I just, I just expose kids to a lot of different movement patterns. We do stick jumping too. We haven't even talked about my stick jumping, um, um, nonprofit, but I go into schools with little bamboo poles that are eight feet long. And I introduce stick jumping to kids. Basically we're just moving through a plane, teaching the kids how to keep the pole moving. I'll put out hula hoops. They'll have to go find all the hula hoops out in the field. They learn how to carry a pole, plant the pole. We don't swing upside down unless, a school has, you know, pits or something or landing apparatuses. But for the most part, we don't get to that point because I want the teacher to be able to take the program over and feel very, very comfortable running it. Yeah. And just by running with the stick, you're creating hand-eye coordination, strength, you know, upper body strength, cardio. And they're just, I mean, there's a million little things that we do with the kids right. and able to do that for five years. And then obviously with COVID, we haven't gone out the last two years, but um, Steve Thomas, my, My co-founder, he took an RV around the country and went into so many schools. And I think we've been able to put 40,000 sticks into kids' hands over the last five years. We were at the World Championships um, when they were in Portland and went into schools prior to get kids fired up to even go. They had no idea the World Championships were there. Um, They didn't really promote very well for it. So we were hoping to get busloads of kids just in there screaming and yelling for the pole vault. And we didn't find, you know, a great sponsor for that. But we let a lot of kids know and then we were able to get some tickets. So we had about 20 kids show up, which was kind of fun. They had no idea. I mean, they're not track people. We want to go in and introduce the stick jumping to kids that know nothing about pole vaulting. And this isn't pole vaulting. If a kid loves it they're going to find pole vaulting through mm-hmm. it they're like wow I like doing this I like flying in the air you know we'll let them know we try to go into to towns where I know that there's established clubs um so we give out a flyer like hey there's a club here if you want to go try it out or when you get to middle school this is this is your avenue Um yeah. so it's it's been super fun and I've gotten emails from kids I don't know if you're remember about five years ago you were in my school and now I'm a pole vaulter like that
0: oh, cool. that's awesome
1: I love it you know it's so great to get those emails um so I, sure. I get them from time to time but just to see a kid do something that they've never done or even don't even know what it's supposed to feel like and they'll come back and with their pole in their hand and they'll say I feel like Harry Potter on a broomstick <sighs> we are just having fun. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's kind of hard for me to explain it, but if, if you were there with me in the moment, you know, Scott Houston's been there. I've had Tim Matt come, Sam Kendricks was at worlds with me, Sandy. We try to invite all the great people of our, our sport to be involved at some point. We've done zoom calls where the elites will get on a zoom call with the school during their PE class. I think
0: I've say, seen hey, that. Yeah. Hey, I'm
1: Sam. This is what I do for you know, my profession. This is, here's my highlight video. And the kids are like, what? And now, and then Sam will go, now you guys get to go try it. And the kids get their sticks. They go out to the field and start flying around. It is so fun. Um, That is
0: really cool. Yeah. I, uh, I would, I would like to hear some more about that because I I teach elementary
1: elementary PE. So yes, we'll get it out there now that I know you. So this is great. (laughs) So any other coaches that are listening, if you guys want us to come to your town, like Steve's ready to buy an RV and travel the world for the rest of his life and just put sticks in kids' hands. So that's
0: outstanding. Yeah. That's a cool thing.
1: Yeah. I travel when I can, but the most part I get to do a lot of zoom calls with the kids. And then when it's closer to home or I was in Colorado for a few days and hanging out with the Manson family in Boulder and so it's, it's awesome. We have a great community of pole vault enthusiasts yeah. that want to spread the love of pole vaulting and stick jumping. So absolutely.
0: Um, and that's, I think that's a really cool, I think that's a good point too. Cause my, my brother actually uh, texted me the other day. He's like, Hey, I got this fifth grader that wants to come and jump with us. And, and I was like, uh, I, I don't know, like, I don't know if I want to have, you know, cause our, we're very rigid on two days a week uh, because I think the two days complement each other very well. And, uh, so I was sitting there and I was just like, you know what, man, I don't know if, if we, if it's, I don't know, I think that might be too much for a fifth grader. And then he was like, well, let's just do one day a week. And, and, uh, you know, if you're, if you're below this age, you can do, you do the one day a week. And I think that's really important is to make it to where it's just a good time. And it's just messing around, you know, that's like, that's what I've done
1: as well. It's just like, Trial and error, you know, owning a building and and a facility. And um, I've done the same thing. I call it intro to pole vault. I give them an hour. um, Sometimes you can do it. We've had it in the past when I've had another coach with me two days a week for an hour, or you can do one one day a week for an hour. And the kids just get a little bit of a taste of it. They're learning how to hold on to it, you know, jump off the ground, creating that upper body strength. Then I finish a little bit with some core and a little bit of conditioning because I want them to understand it's not just pole vault, but it's this whole package. And as you get older, it's going to be even more. So um, I like to kind of expose them to everything that a pole vaulter would be doing.
0: Absolutely. Um, well, we've
1: had a lot of success with that. And then in my kids' class, my intro to kids' class, I mean, these kids are like, <laughs> they're yeah, they're five years old. I mean, I had young, young kids and just get little tiny sticks and they don't care. They just want to run down the runway, stick it in the box. And
0: right. You know,
1: I'm sure your daughters have done it too. It's, it's All like, time. That's not really pole vaulting, but you know what? I think we think of it at, you know, at this level, but if we bring it down to their level, they're having so much fun because it's something totally different than they've ever done. And whether they stick with it or not, it's, I just think it's great, you know, great muscle memory and, and teaching them right. something totally different.
0: Um, and we, you know, there, there's back. those, those opportunities exist in all other sports except for ours. And yeah. and that yeah. is what's so hard about it is it's, and that was whenever I started our businesses, I was like, I want to be a legitimate pole vaulting business. Like I don't want it to be just like a, a side, Hustle type deal. Like, I want it to be like a gymnastics gym or a baseball uh, club, like, or a volleyball club where it's like, okay, these people are operating a real business. It is not just some sort of under the table type deal. And, and I think that, you know, a legitimate business should offer things for young kids too. Cause my daughters, you know, they're in dance right now, you know, like, and you know, if they wanted to, they could be in little tumblers, gymnastics or whatever, but who's to say they couldn't come over and jump over some wickets with you and, or run down the runway with a pole or, you know, throw a little light shot put or, you know, whatever we're doing, you know? Yeah.
1: Yep. That's, I mean, I have all this equipment. I'm like, well, I got two kids. We go down on the weekend to clean and I just kind of let them play. And then I even sometimes take what they're doing and try to implement it, you know? Um, Like, okay, I could do that. I do relays. I do circuits. uh, You know, I have a bunch of plow boxes. They're running and jumping onto it. It's Ninja Warrior. It's just getting these kids to play. And then they're around it all the time. It it doesn't seem so scary or so foreign to them. Like, oh, I've seen that before. Why can't I do it? It's just natural. Like when it was presented to me, I'm like, girls don't do that. Why would I do that? So I had to really like turn my thinking around where my kids are like, no, girls can do this.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. And a kid that might be a little bit chubbier, you know, is like, oh, that's not for me. Anybody can do it. It's just a matter of how high you want to jump. Right. And then if you really want to jump high, then there's more training involved. And
0: for sure. You know, for sure. Yeah.
1: So it's it's been a lot of fun. And um, it's been great to have the young kids in there because they they think it's great. They love I mean, when I ask him at the end, I'm like, okay, what did you guys like the best about today? stick jumping. (laughs) I always have to have stick jumping in there. They're going to like protest. (laughs) That's
0: that's awesome. That's really cool. And it doesn't
1: matter how old they are. They just love doing it.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a wild, uh, thing that we're a part of. And I remember whenever I was younger, my, I grew up, my dad was a a coach for, you know, 30 plus years, uh, at North Central college here in, uh, Naperville, Illinois. And, um, so I grew up around it and I hated pole vaulting. I hated it so much. And I was just like, I don't, cause I was getting drugged to Purdue for a track meet and getting drugged to here for a track meet. And I'm like, all right, I'm over it. You know, let, you know, I don't want to do this. Um, but by just being there, um, not really, I mean, I would mess around every once in a while, but by just being around it, um, whenever I was in eighth grade, I was like, I think I want to try to do this. And then I just remember very distinctly whenever my dad was like, well, let's go in the backyard and just jump over a bungee, put it between two bushes and you just go ahead and jump. And, and I remember the craziest feeling was that I already knew how to pole vault. I already knew how to do it. Like I knew what I was supposed to do. I had never really given it a shot, but by just being around it so much, I knew how it was done. So then, you know, the next day we're bending the pole and I'm jumping over nine, you know, like, and I'm like, and it was just from being around it. And so I tell my daughters, you know hey we're just going to go outside and i'm going to give you i put two pvc pipes with a bungee between and i'm like uh you know here's a little broken crossbar and you guys just yeah. go and mess around and uh i'll give them like one little tiny lesson but as soon as they get there, they're like i don't want to do it anymore then i just let them go yeah. um and i tell them that it, i'm just doing this because uh maybe one day you might want to you know so let's right. just do a tiny tiny bit so then if you find out one day you do want to do this, uh, you're, you already know how, you know, yeah, so exactly. I, don't know.
1: I love that's it. Nope. That's, yep. That's exactly what we do with the kids. I'll, I'll get, you know, tie it off to one side of the building and put the other bungee on, you know, one of my tree pole stands or something, and I'll have a, a mat laid out and the, the hula hoop is the box. They plan in the hula hoop and they go over little bungees. They love doing that. And it just, yeah, it's, they get over a lot of fear as well. Like at first, some of them are like, Oh, I don't know if I want to run down there to the box. And so we start off off the runway first and do all that. So. And you guys got
0: those sand pits now, which is really awesome. You guys have the sand pits outside, that you can, you can do, you know, I've always said that at our gym, I would love to have a sand pit because it's so easy to teach a beginner how to pull vault into a sand pit. I love that. So props to you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to respect your time. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on here, but I do have two questions. Um, these are kind of questions that we always throw out just for fun. Uh, one of them, is I keep on forgetting to ask this to other people. Uh, a big part of I associate a lot of my pole vaulting career um, with music. Like when I hear a song, I think about meets, or like I, I think about a certain meet that I was listening to that song, or I think about a time in in my pole vaulting career where I was really on this kick on this kind of music. So, what kind of music do you listen to, and uh, are there any like? Songs in particular that you can relate to different parts of your vaulting career.
1: Oh my gosh! Uh, I'm
0: sorry to put you on the spot.
1: I know my my career was real long, Jake. So I don't know. I got, <laughs> you know, I go through the different genres here.
0: Um, I, I, I'm sure it, it changed throughout the years. Well. <laughs> it has changed.
1: So. Well, it's weird. I didn't do a ton of street vaults. Um, They're super fun, but I I didn't do a ton of them, and that's where you get a lot of the that, that memory, you know, I guess, but when I was trained with my coach, we didn't have a stereo system out by the track, but when, um, I did a beach vault, um, 99, no, right before 2000 no 99, yeah, 99, sorry, 99 and 2000 down in California. And at the time I had the American record and I didn't have a song that I gave to the DJ. They just gave me one. Yeah. And it was Lenny Kravitz, American woman.
0: No way. That's so, perfect. Kind of
1: so every time it comes on, I'm like, that's my song. That's my song. And it takes me back to that moment of running down the runway. And the crazy thing was, is this meet, they took out an insurance policy for men and women. Any woman that could jump over 15 feet would win a hundred thousand dollars. And any man. That oh, jumped- that
0: was on Neil vault.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, and then any man that jumped over 20 I think it was 20. I think it was 20, was 100000 dollars And it was a beautiful setting, you know. We're down in Malibu, I think, and you know, the, the winds coming from our backs. We had this nice little tailwind. <clears throat> and me, Mel, and Kelly and Kim Becker, and all the girls, they put us up in this house. We're like, what are we gonna wear at this beach vault? And the girls are like, We should wear our bikinis. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> So what happens if the strap falls off? Well, we'll just right. tie it on tighter. So I'm like, well, what about our sponsors? Cause at that time we had sponsors. Most right. of us had sponsors. I said, gosh, you know, we can't jump without our sponsors. That's kind of a big no, no. Mm-hmm. So of course we all had Sharpies in our bags. We're like, we'll just draw our, our sponsors. Logos. So I think I had one on my hip and on my shoulder, Right. you know, that's just funny. A, yeah. You know, just had, yeah. We were just early on just crazy. But, um, It was my third attempt at 15 feet. I was really close to it. I ran down the runway. And I don't know if a wind hit me or my pull drop was funny, but I stopped. And I I hit the box. And I thought it was my attempt. And a guy, Besmer, his name's Besmer, um, pole vaulter from the Bay Area area. John
0: Besmer, yeah.
1: Yeah, you know John. So Besmer goes, she didn't break the plane. So the officials looked at each other, gave me you know, the, the, the white flag. And I was like, Oh gosh, I got to get back down the runway and run at this again. Yeah. And, and there's a hundred thousand dollars on the other side of that bar, right? Just a little bit of pressure. (laughs) Right. And I went and I cleared it and I about crapped my pants. Yeah. It was, (laughs) it was crazy. (laughs) I was like, I just made this. And this was awesome. Like confidence booster. Not only did I win that money, but to go into ninety nine try or um nationals to make the team was a huge confidence booster because emma george had the world record at the time it was right you know quarter inch under the world record and um that was a huge confidence booster and i was like am i really gonna get this check so so they that's gave me insane. one of those big boards and stuff that was really fun and then you know weeks later
0: you were like yeah but where's the real check where's the, the one that i can cash, cash? <laughs> <laughs> you got
1: know, that paid that's was hilarious obviously right one of the hugest payouts um that I've ever gotten so um yeah that's cool.
0: outstanding yeah, yeah that is uh I remember so, watching yeah, that on Neil he's
1: always been my I guess my my jam and then I've gone to Clovis a bunch of times and that's that's a fun one kind of usually at the end of the year but then as I started competing and doing better it just was unfortunate. I couldn't make it back. Yeah. you know, to the, the old
0: Reno too. The old Reno was a good energy uh, yeah. with the music and everything.
1: True. Yes. Yep. So they would play, they, they probably played that for me there too. I never, I never picked a song. I'm just like, whatever. I, I don't know. I, I don't get caught up in the music. I mean, it's fun listening to music and stuff. Yeah. But I don't really have one. Um, yeah. And I, I like country, you know, I'm out there, but I don't jump to country. I like country. I was, getting my hair cut the other day and she's, we were talking about music. She's like, and country. I'm like, you don't like country. She's like, you do. So it was like, it was like talking about politics. We don't talk about, country.
0: don't talk about music. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's crazy. No. All right. So last question is uh, this is a fun one that I like to do. Maybe you've heard it before, but um, you get to pick three exercises and you are, your kids at, at SDVC. They can pole vault. So you always have that. You always have that. They can pole vault as much as you want, but outside of the act of pole vaulting, they have three exercises that they can do for the rest of, let's just say for the rest of your life, you can only people. pick three.
1: So these are the things to prep for pole vault or just like lifetime skills. Like,
0: no, 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 not lifetime skills. We're not interested in lifetime skills. We're, we're, no,
1: we're <laughs>
0: All right, cue the second bad Wi-Fi spot, and Stacy Dragila saying pull vaulting in ultra slow mo. I'm so kidding.
1: What's gonna make you a better pull what, right. what is my recipe for success? I would well, I've already say talked just about it like three times. Oh, they're gonna hate me. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. I won't say that. Um, I can get I can get that done. other other way um pole runs running fast with the pole being comfortable running fast I mean that was something that made me super consistent is learning how to run with and over over speed training with a pole in my hand um uh hurdles I love hurdles because that attack phase um I've just seen something in your face and knowing that I have to get through it it's like the box like you don't jump to the box you jump through the box my pits up against the cinder wall I tell my kids, I want you to blow through that wall. Because if you get deep enough in that pit, guess what? We get to go up a stick. But if you hover over the box, "Ah, not happening. Or you might have to go down a pole. Absolutely. So I always want to be moving kids up poles. So And that just teaches them to attack it right I off. And then I could swing. I don't coach. <laughs> and then probably um, I really like using high bar work, just teaching kids how to, especially non-gymnasts. You know, I, I get my fair share of, for someone that's never swung before, understanding how to drop on their shoulders, whether it's like kip, uh, kip swings or like if we strap into a giant bar and do hip circles, things like that, just learning how to keep pressure on your hands and staying tight in that hollow position is, um, is, is really beneficial, right. To get everything out of the pole, like not everybody's going to get that, but I think the more times they do it, you know, on, on Thursdays, it's my gymnastics day. And that's what my kids do. We do floor rings, rope, high bar. And that's Mm. what we do all year long to get the kids better. And some kids buy into it and some kids think, oh, I don't need it. But by their junior, senior year, they're like, what's missing in my jump? (laughs)
0: <laughs> <It's>
1: that <laughs> Maybe a little, or a little bit of gymnastics training. So I right. think, you know, again, I, I was trained through the gymnastics. Not all coaches use it. You don't have to have a gymnastics facility. You know, I was able to put a, a rope up and some rings and then I would love to have a high bar, but I have a rig in my gym and we're able to do some hip circles and, and things like that. You know, if anybody wants to give me a high bar, I'm, I'm in the market for it. So um, there you go. I love them. I, you know, I wasn't a gymnast and I was able to figure out how to do hip circle to free, free hip to a handstand. And I was terrified to do it, but I was strapped in of course, but then, you know, going to giants and stuff, that's fun. You don't need to do that obviously to be a pole vaulter, but just dropping on your shoulders, anything kipping, you know, doing boopkas or windshield wipers, Anything like that is just that lat engagement, you know, core engagement. I get a lot of guys that show really nice core abs, but they're so weak on that low, that low, uh, abs. Right. And I think not engaging the lats of just being really tight on the pole, yeah. um, could be huge, you know, I think could be a game changer in their jump for sure to really know where they're at in the air to line up a pole properly.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, running with a pole. So some yeah. sort of running with a pole um, and then hurdles, which is the first time we've heard that one. And then uh high bar, which is just basically going to, I mean, that's strength development, that's coordination, that's timing. That's, I mean, high yeah, bars, body
1: awareness. It's a lot of things. Um, I, I love, I love using the bar for a lot of different things and, you know, yeah. a lot of kids aren't comfortable on it either. So it's, if I can get them on it and get something done, then I know that they're getting better because, you know at first they're obviously in horrible positions. And if I can get their shoulders to drop just a little bit more and get their hips above their shoulders and keep that pressure, they will be like, Oh, this is what it's supposed to feel like on a pole. Right. Um, or, you know, being on top of the bar and then dropping back into a hip circle or an, um, I call it an underswing. I think that's what it's called in gymnastics. I make names up for things, but like cast to an underswing, just feeling pressure, pressure, pressure.
0: Right. I just remember
1: these times when, when things were really slow in my jump, when I just line things up, right. And I could just, you know, it was far and few be- between that I ever felt those moments of like, this jump is taking forever. But right. those times I felt so heavy in my hands and on my shoulders that I felt like I was upside down forever, just riding this pole out. And those were the times that, you know, you're breaking world records or you're jumping for some pretty high, high bars, like take time on the pole, let, let the pole work for you. Right, and I think kids are so quick to get on it and get off of it. Like mm-hmm. work the pole a little they bit rush. longer.
0: They yeah. rush, they rush through their jump a lot. It, I always tell people it takes a long time to jump high, like yeah. to jump, to jump higher. It, it takes a, a, not, I mean, it's not a long time, but it does. It's going to feel like it takes longer to pole vault higher. And you got to just kind of milk every little bit of energy out of that pole. Yeah. And, and uh, get in those, yeah.
1: those positions where you're, you're not fighting the pole, but you're in line with the pole to really maximize when it becomes uncoiled, you're, you're in line with it and shooting off the top of it. And there's been times where it feels like butter, you know, and there's other times where you fight, fight, fight for it. I'm like, why is that, why does that feel so cruddy? Right. And then you go back and look at video, you're like, well, I wasn't in line with that thing at all. Or my take off, my plan at at takeoff, I was off. So I was just constantly fighting for that position. Right. Um, But that's, um, you know, that's pole vaulting. That's trying to find that perfect line too. And that, you know. just reps down the runway. So I think over speed training with the pole, like we used to do tons of flying twenties, 20, 20, 20, float, sprint, or, you know, sprint, float, sprint. And then once I got on the runway, it was like, I understood how to run. I get kids to come to camp all the time and they cannot run with a pole. And we'll, we'll, we'll do speed, speed trap timing for them so they can see how fast they are with the pole and without. And some kids are actually it's, it's weird. I'll get like the new kids. They're faster with a pole than they are without a pole. So like, Whoa, you guys need some sprint mechanic drill.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's a big
1: eye opener, but it gives them a starting point. And if they can test that every four weeks, they're going to get faster. They're going to get more comfortable running with a pole at higher speeds as well. Hitting a towel. It doesn't have to be a, a box. I was terrified of hitting a box early on. And then as you, you know, learn your pole drop and your rhythm on the run, it, it becomes, a little bit easier, but for those young kids, like yesterday we were doing, we're working on a three-step on the runway, but off the runway, they had to get in line and then hit a towel from a four-step. We're trying to get to a four. We're going to have right. a vault competition um, for the Halloween fest from a four only, and they could wear costumes, all that fun stuff. But I go, we're only competing from a four-step. So we got to start figuring out our four-step stride. Where should we be right. and all that fun stuff. So, you know, I like to, I like to work the run before we get on the runway. So they're comfortable running and kind of seeing that box or the towel. And then a couple of weeks go by, then they should be pretty comfortable coming in and and hitting a takeoff. So that's kind of how I I go about going back strides.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, this has been. Absolutely outstanding. I really can't thank you enough. Uh, this is just, it's kind of just surreal. I remember watching you on that stage at Reno and doing your thing and, you know, just watching the 2000 Olympics. And it's just really, I don't know. It's just wild. It's really cool that, uh, you were able to sit down and talk and then, uh, just hash some things out, but,
1: uh, yeah, thanks for having fun. And, um, thanks for being so involved in our sport. And you know, interviewing so many people and giving kids opportunities to listen and, and learn something. I think that's huge, you know, um, a teaching tool for sure. So appreciate you taking the time as well.
0: Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Is there any way? You are, ask
1: yeah. me. ask I got to tell this because not a lot of people know this. I got to. Can I interject one thing? Go ahead. So I was at the Olympics. We didn't even talk about the Olympics, right? Oh geez. And I won my medal and I got my medal that night. Do you think I got whisked away in a limousine to go wherever I wanted to go? Or do you think I walked out of the garbage room of the stadium because all the doors were locked after dope after me having to urinate in a cup for testing? A or B?
0: I'm gonna assume limousine or
1: garbage room. (laughs) At the the Olympic garbage room. Exactly. How did you know?
0: I I I just took a wild guess. I (laughs) I could sense some sarcasm maybe. Oh man. Sometimes
1: I forget that and I just like, oh my gosh. Well, so, now yeah, I, I feel,
0: can- I feel bad. We have to run this back sometime and, uh, talk about the Olympic time too, uh, cause you did win an Olympic gold medal and, and uh, man, we, yeah. <laughs> and we didn't spend that much time <laughs> on it. I wish, I wish no. we did have more time today, but, uh, it, it is what it is. And, 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 you know, to be honest with you, I would like to get out there to Idaho sometime and uh, check out your spot. Um, check out those beautiful mountains out there and, Absolutely. uh, yeah, it'd be really, really cool. But, um, is there any place that people could follow you, um, and what you're doing?
1: Yeah. Um, I have a website. It's dragila vault co, um, .com and I run camps as well here in Boise. We were doing things down at UC Berkeley, but then COVID hit and we haven't been back and we hope to be back in the future. It's sometimes nice to get on a college campus and, have kids really feel that what it would be like to be on a big college campus. Um, But we've been able to do some great things here in Boise. And uh, my, we had, gosh, we had almost 40 kids last summer Four working groups. I bring in all kinds of coaches. um, So it's fun. I love to collaborate with my old friends and and new coaches. So maybe I'll even, maybe that'd be a good time. You can come out and and then you can hang out in, in Idaho and, and take off and, trek some of the mountains. So
0: yeah, I'll see so you guys I in three be, days. Yeah. Just go out there and, and come back in like three days. That'd be awesome. Exactly.
1: It'll <laughs> be wild. Yeah. So that would be super fun. So, uh, keep your July, June, July open, but we also have worlds that we want to make sure we go to. So Absolutely. I want to I would love to get out to worlds. Um, but yeah, and then
0: your Instagram is,
1: yes, it's just my name, Stacy Dragila.
0: Okay. It's a good follow too. I I don't follow that many people, but uh, hers is a good follow. She's got cool drills on there and, and it shows uh, some cool stuff out of her facility for those who are interested. It's a, you know, sometimes you follow people and it's like, eh, you know, yeah. I'm I'm horrible at
1: posting, but I I do a lot of posting of like what the kids are doing at the club. My, my husband posts more on the family side. I'm not very good at doing that, but I try (laughs) to do a lot of the, the camp stuff. And then I also have a couple kids that are really good with the camera and can do like some really cool videos. So I've had some of those kids do some stuff like that. So there's a couple cool videos up on my website just to kind of see what the facility looks like and what we do in camp. Love to have you out at camp in Boise, Idaho, bring your parents. They can go be wild for a couple of days in the mountains. That's what parents do. Usually That's drop, awesome. drop the kids off with me and get tired at camp and then either stay for a couple of days and, you know, go do something fun or, or head back. But, uh, it's cool. been fun. We've had some international kids and kids, you know, from all over the country which is super fun. And then then I get to follow them. I'm like a mom of all these kids and love seeing them grow through the sport and I also have, you know, kids that stay in my house. I've had 13 kids stay in my house at one time. Nice. I don't even know where I put them. All the closets wow. are full of kids.
0: <laughs> right. That's uh I just that's stuff really them cool. In there.
1: But it's great for the kids to get to know each other and then of course they stay in touch through instagram and then we all reunite at the reno summit so i'm so excited to go back to reno this year and it's been a part of a huge part of my success developing and and then obviously these kids it's a great kickstart for their season so it's it's that's awesome on the schedule
0: yeah you guys definitely got to follow her and uh check out what she's doing out there in idaho because it's pretty pretty awesome stuff but uh for the time being this is the one more jump podcast uh thanks a lot stacy
1: thanks jake i appreciate it thanks